We all enjoy the finer things in life, but it's fair to say not when it's at the expense of the planet. The good news is you don't necessarily have to choose between the two. I'm Jasmine Hemsley, and this is Self Sustainable. In this series brought to you by Selfridges, I'm going to be talking to the best designers, producers, and experts in the world of sustainability to see how making a few small changes in our lives can actually make a world of difference. From how we eat, to how we dress, to how we travel, we'll be looking at all the ways that being sustainable can look, taste, and feel great. In this episode, we are going places, as it's all about travel. Today, I'll be speaking to the people and experts involved in tackling one of the more tricky questions in the world of sustainability. How can we enjoy seeing and experiencing our planet without endangering it? We'll be hearing from Isabella Tree of NEP Wildlands in the hopes to discover how fantastic staycations can actually be the solution to our carbon footprint worries. You know, why travel the lengths of the world to, to look at wildlife when you can have these wonderful, beautiful, exotic species here to see with your own eyes? We'll then take a look at how we can pack our suitcases more sustainably by speaking with the great mind behind Stay Wild, a swimwear line created from 100% recycled ocean plastics. We are a small, sustainably-led business. We are doing things in a slightly different way to a normal fashion brand. But firstly, I was lucky enough to speak with the fantastic Justin Francis, Managing Director of Fantastic Travel Agency, Responsible Travel, who got us started on what travelling responsibly really means. So what would you say inspired your company? One of my inspirations was when I was traveling, I was actually in Zambia Mm -hmm. and I stayed in a really smart safari lodge. But the people working in the lodge were local community and they kind of got fed up with tourists just driving right past their homes and straight to the eco lodge. And they said, you know, we've got culture. Why not come and spend some time with us? I spent a night there and it's actually better than any of the safari experience. And afterwards, in the morning, the headman, he came to see me, a really old guy, and he said, can you see that school over there? And I said, yes. He said, I built it through tourism income to the village. And he asked me, he said, can you go home and tell all your friends to come? I want lots of visitors here because I will need to expand the school and do some other things. It really lived with me that. Yeah. I said yes, which was a bit of a, <laughs> a bit hopeful, really. And then a few years later, I did. So you touched on it earlier about why tourism, well, we said about, you know, bringing money to those communities, but any other reasons that you'd say tourism is so important? Tourism is an enormous industry. It employs different estimates, one in 10 to one in 11 people around the world. And the places are growing fastest, many developing countries, Southeast Asia's booming, Africa's starting to boom now. It's really important for their economies, for the jobs, for the funding that it contributes to parks and conservation, as well as development. But it's like any other industry, it's it's good and it's bad. What are problems that tourism can create? When we think about tourism and the, the negative impacts, as well as the positive impacts, we should think of them in three different ways. The economic impacts. Are we putting money in local people's hands? Are we distorting local economies? The second area is the environmental impacts, which could be carbon dioxide and climate change, could be waste. And the last one is the one everybody forgets about, and those are the cultural impacts. Tourism can flatten out culture. So something that was once treasured in a community suddenly becomes packaged up for sale in its true meaning becomes lost. So really, in my travels and in my work, in a sense, I'm searching for the disappearing act. 
when you no longer are thought of as a tourist. Mm. And the way to do that is, I think, in part, to know that your holiday is doing some good. Travel is a learning experience. I want to encourage people to think a little bit more about the place they're visiting, to understand that it's somebody else's home where they live, and to just ask some common sense questions about how they can contribute. If you treat people right, they tend to open up their worlds a little bit more to you. I mean, it's hard not to think about your responsibility when you travel these days. I'm definitely one that seeks to go off the beaten track. You can support people who don't live in the inner cities and actually venture out and meet other people. And hopefully it's a two-way positive meeting. So as much as I've kind of becoming aware of it over the years, it's really nice to speak to Justin, who is so on this messaging and has been working on it for years. So why is travel so hard to tackle when it comes to making our lives sustainable? 50 years ago, almost everyone was a domestic traveller. Only the wealthy could afford to go abroad. Since then, however, tourism has been completely transformed with over 4 billion passengers now flying each year. According to Flight Radar 24, there could be anywhere from 8,000 to 20,000 planes mid-flight at any given moment. The global aviation industry now makes up over 2% of greenhouse gas emissions. Now, 2% doesn't sound very big, but when you consider that as little as 3% of the world's population fly each year, we see how flying is probably the most climate-unfriendly thing you could do. Okay, so to really face the facts, I'm going to try calculating the carbon footprint of my last trip abroad. Okay, so this is incredible. Myclimate.org, you go on there online and it's a climate calculator where you can pay to compensate for your carbon footprint. Eek, here goes. I've just come onto myclimate.org. This little calculator symbol. Agree to some cookies. I hope they're the sustainable kind. Okay, flight. Yes, I took a flight. Um, okay, I went from London to Dublin. Via nowhere, round trip, yes. Number of passengers. CO2 amount that I used was 2.5 tonnes. Here comes the bill to help me compensate for my flight by contributing to climate projects in developing and newly industrialising countries. And it's come up to 54 quid. It's a chunk of money and it's kind of not at the same time. But I tell you what, it really, really makes you think but it makes you think and feel positive, actually, that you can make take positive action. So you become aware of your, your choices in life. You know, it feels like you're building awareness. There's more impetus to even have a go at doing this rather than when, you know, you just feel named and shamed and um, guilty and like you just don't want to even go there. However, it also comes down to what we pack in our suitcases and how we treat those items on holiday, as well as when we get back home. So first things first, the all-important swimming cosy. I headed to Selfridges to see what green options they had for this holiday garment staple. Of the moment. One brand that stands out was Stay really Wild. Cool. Got some nice little logo there. Easy care Stay Wild Swim it. creates beautiful swimming costumes made of recycled ocean plastics. Not only are they unique and super stylish, with a mission like theirs, what's not to love? My name is Natalie Glaze. I am the co-founder of Stay Wild Swim. 
I had been thinking about running my own business for a while. I was in Bali and me and my friends, we were snorkeling. We were talking to some local guys and we were talking about the kind of effects of plastic, how it was affecting the beaches and the oceans. And me and my friends, we were just kind of having a conversation. I was like, wouldn't it be amazing to be able to do something which had a bit of a positive impact on this or spread awareness a little bit more? There, the idea struck. I kind of thought maybe swimwear is the way to go down. I'd always loved swimwear. I think down to traveling, it's kind of sparked that love. So I'd started actually doing research around materials and designs. I knew the kind of recycled ocean plastics. And then I realized how big a project it was. And I thought, I don't know if I can do this by myself. I co-founded my company with Zana Van Dyke. We met for brunch and we were discussing the idea of a sustainable line and the idea to stay wild just snowballed. We had no real intention of meeting for brunch or starting a business, but that's what happened. And then it's like we blinked and then six months down the line, we're like, oh, it's too late now, we've started this. <laughs> So sustainability was such a huge element of Stay Wild. So we knew that we wanted to design pieces that had an impact. We work with a company called Econile. They are based in Italy. They have a team which goes out and collect ocean plastics, whether it's fishing nets, general waste, and break that down into a fibre which can be used in fashion material. It's, it's such an amazing material to work with. In my head, I'm like, I don't know why everyone doesn't use this material, you know? Like, there's, there's no real downside to it. It's durable, it's such high quality. For us, it was very important that our pieces were based, designed and created in a factory where we know all the people, so we can pop in. I know them on, on like, first-name basis. And then it was very important that they felt and they looked like quality swimwear even if you didn't realise they were sustainable, even if you didn't realise that these pieces were actually doing good for the planet. We wanted our pieces to be timeless and we wanted you to be able to wear them again and again. They're very functional, they're very flattering, they have a sports luxe feel to them. We knew that we wanted our colour palette to revolve around nature, whether that be the ocean, whether that be coral. And for us, sustainability is not just the pieces, it's also even down to our hygiene liners, even doing stuff like making sure our packaging is recycled and recyclable, making sure that our delivery is carbon neutral. So for us, it was just making sure that we did things at a slightly slower, more thought out pace. So each element was as friendly to the planet and to the people who were involved in that process as possible. So Stay Wild Swim was selected as part of the Bright New Things initiative with Selfridges. And for us, what's so incredible is Selfridges has an amazing global platform and we are a small, sustainably-led business. We are doing things in a slightly different way to a normal fashion brand. We are doing smaller stock runs. We are encouraging buying less but buying better, using better materials and for our work to be noticed and to be given an amazing platform is pretty special. So looking at the other things on our list we might want to pack beyond swimming costumes, there are also other effective changes we can make when filling our suitcases. Take sun cream, for example. 
It doesn't seem like a big deal, but actually, harmful nanoparticles and chemicals like oxybenzone in sunscreen can leach into the ocean, damaging our beautiful coral reefs and the wildlife that needs them to survive. The good news is that there are great steps being made to not only ban sunscreens with these harmful chemicals, but also brilliant alternatives that are safer for people and for coral. So other than staying vigilant and reading labels when picking up sunscreen, you can also check out the Environmental Working Group's guide on environmentally safe sunscreen. On top of this, a lot of our holiday items end up not coming home with us. We know it's easy to lose things on the beach or on a city break, but actually the key thing here is we need to actually start taking care of what we own. One of these easily disposable and often cheap items is a pair of flip-flops. However, this unassuming footwear has a very dirty secret. Flip-flops are ubiquitous around the world and millions of these inexpensive footwear are actually being discarded every day. Although the average working lifespan of one pair is two years, they stay forever in landfills or make their way into our oceans. According to Robert Frerk of Blue Ocean, many of the older and cheaper ones are actually made of non-recyclable plastics. These contain PVC and phthalates, cadmium and lead, and these together make these sandals carcinogenic to humans and toxic to animals and plants. But again, it's not all bad news. There are solutions available. For example, TerraCycle shreds flip-flops, melts and moulds them into lumber that can be then used for things like picnic benches. But to save the hassle of recycling and the resources, we should all be making the best choices possible when buying our flip-flops. Making sure that we not only look after what we choose to buy, but where possible, that it's made of sustainable and durable materials too. Now, going back to our carbon footprint, sometimes in order to reach that ideal holiday destination, we don't really need to fly at all. The staycation is quickly becoming one of the easiest solutions to sustainable travel. And Justin wants to encourage us to consider looking closer to home for those dream holidays. I'm going to ask you a question um, as to where I should holiday maybe this summer. I'm on the edges of Kent, somewhere that you love in the UK that I could hop on a train to. So you must go to NEP. What's uh, it? Is... NEP, NEP's an estate. Okay. And it's a kind of real flagship of the rewilding movement. And the results have been extraordinary. Wow. So if you're going to go there soon, they've got nightingales. One of the best places to listen to nightingales. Mm. In the summer, they've got these purple emperor butterflies. The, the, the resurgence in wildlife, once given a chance, is incredible. Clearly, we had to go see it for ourselves. So we visited NEP and spoke with Isabella Tree, who told us all about NEP's mission. My husband grew up in Africa and I used to be a travel correspondent. You know, we used to travel all over the world looking for wildlife. We never thought of what we should and could be having in our own backyard. I'm Isabella Tree. I'm co-owner of Nepcastle Estate with my husband, Charlie Burrell, conservationist. And NEP is now a rewilding project. And I've written about this in my book, Wilding. We first hit upon rewilding, I suppose, when we had realised after 17 years of intensive farming that our land really wasn't suitable for modern intensive agriculture. And we had to do something radically different. We were influenced by a remarkable man called Franz Vera. And Franz Vera's point is that we've forgotten in all our imaginings of what Europe and Britain would have looked like before human impact. We've forgotten about all the free-roaming animals that would have been here. So everything from bison and elk, aurochs, the ancestor of the modern cow, tarpan, the ancestor of the horse, wild boar, beavers by the million. 
All these animals would have been out there engaging with the landscape. And if you want to recover biodiversity, you can't simply just let land, just leave it. It would turn into those canopy woodland, which is very species poor. What you want to do is create that complexity of habitat. And you can do that by adding these amazing free roaming animals. Because we haven't got the aurochs now, we've introduced um, old English longhorns. And then we've got Exmoor ponies being a very good stand-in for the tarpan, their ancestor. And then we've got red deer and fallow deer and roe deer. And my favourite of all is the Tamworth pig. And that is standing in for the wild boar. So we're just going to enter the, the southern block now. This is the bit where it's the sort of wildest and wooliest part. What we've seen from what these animals are providing for us has just been absolutely astonishing. It, to me, this really is reminiscent of the sort of African scrub. And it's what's so we've now got some of the rarest species in Britain. Every month there's something turning up that is rare and unexpected. We're now the second biggest breeding hotspot for nightingales. We're also the breeding hotspot for turtle doves. They're a species that's, according to the RSPB, most likely to go extinct next from Britain. But we have more turtle doves on NEP on 3,500 acres than the National Trust does on 250,000 hectares. You have this surround sound bird song, this absolutely wall-to-wall -wall carpet of sound. It's got that feeling. Everything is just alive. And it's very difficult to communicate that, um, you know, until you're actually standing in the middle of it and feeling it. So we just had such a demand for people wanting to come and see NEP that we thought, well, why don't we start a glamping and camping and a safari business? And we've really modelled our ecotourism business on the idea of a kind of African safari camp. So this is the, where we have our kind of base for our campsite. And on the, the chalkboard there, you can see recent sightings that we've had. So someone's seen a fire crest, which is really exciting recently. I mean, it's not only making us more sustainable as a business, it's also wonderful the kind of feedback you get from people who are suddenly, like us, feeling that thrill of engaging with wildlife again. The wonderful American biologist E.O. Wilson calls it biophilia, that sort of love of life, that innate desire in us to connect with living things. And that's what we've been missing from our landscape. We talk about parks and, and green belt, but they can be deserts. And we need to feel that connection with heaving, thrumming, living life again. And that's, I think, what, what places like NEP can provide. I think NEP as a concept is brilliant, allowing a land to return to its original state and how quickly it can really grow back and become something even more beautiful. You know, and it makes me think about, you know, do we even value what's on our doorstep? I remember my mum saying, you don't even know England yet. <laughs> and it's so true. I have only visited a few parts and I'm the world's worst London tourist and I've lived here for 20 years. You always think you'll get to see that thing someday when actually it's very much worth exploring. So having spoken to, to Justin and uh, Isabella, I'm more inspired, got more of a taste, more of a desire to rediscover or, or actually to even discover the place where I was born, good old England. So it's nice to know that people are out there helping us to make better and more informed and sustainable decisions from what we pack into our suitcase to even what kind of trip we take. So to help us check off that sustainable holiday checklist, 
Justin, Natalie and Isabella had this to say. I would change my flying habits. I would take fewer longer holidays. And the takeoff and landing is a big part of the emissions. So instead of taking six short holidays, maybe I'd take two longer ones. Chill out a bit, really relax. And then maybe one shorter one. I've halved my flights. Pack reusable items, whether that be coffee cups, straws, cutlery. Thinking about the clothes that you pack, whether you can utilise your current wardrobe. And then for me, a quite important thing is to make sure that I have a coral and ocean-friendly SPF or sun cream. When you travel, rather than just buying that kind of package, that all-in package where your, your meals are all provided, we've got to rediscover that sense of adventure again. That's when you can really connect with local people and eat locally and, and discover what, what that place is all about. So I think we can agree that all of our planet is a beautiful place to live and visit. But we need to make sure that it stays that way. So if it's small changes to how we pack and even planting trees to offset our carbon footprint, you know, it's on us to protect and care for our holiday destinations so that we and the future generations can continue to enjoy them. This episode of Self Sustainable was brought to you by Selfridges and Radio Wolfgang. It was presented by me, Jasmine Hemsley, and featured Justin Francis, Isabella Tree, and Natalie Glaze. The executive producers were Ellie DiMartino and Harry Watson. The assistant producers were Eli Block and L. Scott. And the producers were Ivan Manley and Natalia Rodriguez. Discover more ways in which Selfridges is buying better and inspiring change at selfridges.com forward slash buying better. <laughs>